You know, today's why I'm grateful that we get to build a church here together. And I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful that we can walk together through good times and bad times and, and, and we get to be together. You know, I, um, you, you'll, you'll start hearing us talk a lot more about our next steps as a church. And, and we, got, we got some next steps to take. And I'm, I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for the construction tape around here with those bathrooms. Uh, those bathrooms are underway, and we're about finished with all six of our bathrooms around this building. And, and, um, and, and, and you know what we learned several years ago? Seven years ago, we learned something as a church. We learned that we don't have to go into debt to um, do what God's called us to do. And, and we built the mission center uh, with no debt. We, we then remodeled the, the fellowship hall in there, and we've used, the, used that. Like the mission center right now, we're serving more of our neighbors than ever before. And, and then the fellowship hall, we've done so much through that. That, that, that upgrade there has been phenomenal. And so, you know, we're going to finish these bathrooms, and then the next step is our broadcast we're going to be developing our broadcast. You might think, well, that's, why would we need to do that? Um, you know, we live in an online society now in many ways from our bills to no one buys a car without looking online first. If you bought a car recently, you probably looked online first. And you know, when somebody moves to, the, to our, our community, and I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of people are moving to our community. There's, there's stuff building, being built around here like crazy. And, you know, when they move to a community, the first, time, first thing they look at is online. That's our fr- the broadcast is our front door now. Uh, and we've got to have a good front door. And, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't take too long for somebody that's been in our community a long time to realize they need the Lord. They need a church. And what they're going to do is look online first. And um, that broadcast is important. That's our second step. Then our third step. We're going we're gonna to update this room. This is our, our springboard into all of our ministries, and it's time to update this room. And then, then we're going to develop all of our sites, which will take us a while to get to. But, um, but, but you know, uh, by the end of this year, our campus development team is working on master plans uh, for all three of our sites right here on this 20 acres and the, the Mission Center, 10 acres, and then uh, in Tulsa. And we've got, a, we, we've got a lot to steward, and I'm thankful that God has called us to this place at this time. And, and you know, I, I, a lot of us have jumped in with giving to Next Steps. And, and, and you know what I'm praying? I'm praying that God blesses us. And as God brings more blessing to us, that we have Next Steps in mind as we, as we look at serving the Lord and, and setting our church uh, on, ta- on, on track for a future. And I'll tell you, God's given us a lot to steward. And I believe he's going to provide for us every step of the way. But we've already learned to do this without debt. And let's keep, let's keep it up. You know, I hope you join with us. I hope you start with next steps. I also, also hope you start with our Bible reading. We've been reading the Bible this year. And, uh, and, I, and I pray you jump in with us where we are. Because as we read through the Bible, we're going to preach through it every week. And, and this morning, we're in a, a really important passage of Scripture. It's, it's Psalm 51. Now, um, this is a psalm of David. And um, David, um, 
is, is an important character, important figure in the Bible. And it's amazing how often the camera of Scripture turns to David. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 51. And as we read this psalm, we're going to read the whole psalm. As we read it, here's something I want you to look for. I want you to pay attention to how David repents. I want you to pay attention to to the way that he comes to the Lord and gets right with him. And I want us to consider today, there's, whether you're watching online or in the room, God's moving all of us to get right with him. Now, one of our practices at our church is we stand in honor of reading God's word. And it's a practice we have. It's just a way to, 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 to let the word of God stand. And I think it's important to allow scripture to stand. And uh, so we'll stand in honor of reading it. And then at the end, I will state the obvious. I've always learned from my and as I got married, it's important to state the obvious. My, my, my wife wants to hear me say, I love you, honey. And, uh, and I think it's good for us to state the obvious. So we're going to do that as we read the scripture. And I'm going to simply say after we finish reading it, this is the word of the Lord. And then if all of you would respond by saying, praise be to God. Let's stand together and read Psalm 51. I'm getting older and so I'm wearing my glasses, some. Getting older is not for sissies, right? Psalm 51, let's look at this. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions is, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you, will do not, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. You will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. 
Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, in whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, now it's... It's, it's, it's important to understand the author of this psalm. It's David. Acts 13.22 is really interesting because um, it talks about David that, that it says in Acts 13.22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, this seems to be a, a little bit of a, a little bit off, right? Acts 13, when you, because we've read about David this week. And if you've joined us in our Bible reading, you've, you, you, you've looked at his mistake. I mean, he really messed up. I mean, when you think about David, he... He doesn't seem like he's a man after God's heart. How could a man after God's heart do what David did? And we read about it this week. He, and if you know the story, Second um, Samuel talks about he was at a time when kings went off to war. David was, was sleeping, and he got up late in the day. And he gets up late in the day, and he goes out, and he's he should have been with his men, but he wasn't. He was, he was lounging around. And he sees Bathsheba. And, and he summons for her. And he commits adultery with her. I mean, he sinned against her. She, um, it, it was terrible what he did. And, and then he tries to cover it up. You know what he did. He... he he brought her husband back, and it was just a travesty. And you know, it's interesting as you think about um, this moment that David knew better. He, he knew the grace of God. He knew the Word of God. He had, he had experienced the presence of God. I mean, of, of all people, he, he, God had rescued him. God had helped him. God had strengthened him. And yet he flat out disobeyed him. And, and, and you know, sometimes Satan doesn't, I mean, Satan has a network of evil. And, a, and, he, and Ephesians 6 talks about his network. But a lot of times we have self-inflicted wounds. Satan doesn't even have to mess with us. Because we shoot ourselves in our own foot. And, and David fell here. It, it reminds me of my favorite hymn. My, my favorite hymn is Come Thou Fount. There's a line in that old hymn that I just resonate with. It, it, it says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And, and you know, th this is... David in this spot where he should have known better, but he failed. And, and it's interesting as you think about the um, Psalm 51, you can't, you can't rub shoulders with David in Psalm 51 without coming to terms and coming to grips with the consequences of sin. The, the sin of believers, the sin of followers of Christ. 
followers of God here. And, and you know, if you, if you read through, if you read closely this story this week, if you paid attention to the readings, you notice that, that when, when David had Uriah killed, it wasn't just Uriah that was killed. There were other men killed alongside of Uriah. So, so you see the costliness of sin is, 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 is more than David thought. You also, if you really get into the details of this, you, you recognize that, that, that Nathan told David, the prophet Nathan said, hey, David, what, what you did in secret, the consequences of this, this sin that you kept secret, here's what's going to happen, David. It's going to be shamefully public for you. Not just this sin, but it's going to impact your generations. We read about it today. If you read the Bible reading today, you saw that with his son and his daughter and all the travesty. You know, another thing to just study on your own, I'm not going to go into it, but when you think about the consequences of this, you ought to look up Ahithophel. Ahithophel was, that, that story alone right there speaks to the consequences of David's sin right here. Devastating. Ahithophel was David's counselor and Bathsheba's grandfather. And travesty, you ought to look that up, what happened. But, but look at 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel 12. I want you to turn over to 2 Samuel 12. Now, now, my quiet time Bible words it a little different. I have an old New American Standard for my quiet time Bible. And it, it was interesting what it says in 2 Samuel 12, 14, my old quiet time Bible articulates it this way. However, because, of, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born to you shall surely die. Now, the ESV talks about that, that you've, you've shown publicly contempt for the Lord. Um, you know, NIV says, you've disrespected the Lord. That's what David did here. He disrespected the Lord. I think the, the concept is, is similar as you think about what David did publicly. Um, he, he caused other people to, to blaspheme the Lord, according to the New American Standard. Oh my goodness, how, that, that's a consequence he didn't see. And, 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 that, and I, th I think about one of the values of our church, that we're called to be ambassadors for Christ. We're called to represent Christ to the world. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It is as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the message that should come from believers. Hey, come to God, come to the Lord, come to Jesus. But David's public sin caused people to go, really? And we see this all the time right now. I think about the number of preachers that have had public sin and, or the number of people, Christian businessmen, that have, that have dishonored the Lord by their business practices. Or, uh, I mean, I, I, the, the list is long of, of preachers who have died recently. That they came out that their lifestyle just was... It blasphemed the Lord. May we never be those that, that disrespect the Lord so much that our behavior causes a lost world to go, see, I don't think the Lord's real. 
Oh my goodness. The consequences were devastating here. And you can't rub shoulders with David in Psalm 51 without embracing the consequences of sin. It's kind of like my, my youth minister was my older brother, and he always would say this. Sin will take you further than you want to go. It will keep you longer than you want to stay. It has a price tag higher than you want to pay. And so you can't rub shoulders to Psalm 51 without recognizing the consequences of sin. But, but I think the big lesson in Psalm 51 is David shows us how to repent. And you know, from a, for a, as a believer, I, I want to challenge us. If you know Christ as your Savior, we, we got to get better at repenting. And, and David sets an example here. Now, now, the first thing you look, if you look at Psalm 51, you see that you see a couple things. You see David with a right view of God and a right view of himself. And, and I want us to catch this today. When, when you come to the Lord in repentance, make sure that you acknowledge God and yourself accurately. And, and this is so important. Let, let's let's look, at, look at verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you only, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgments. Oh, catch that. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. And, and, and one of the things that David is very clear here, you, he, he, he points, he has this right view of God here because God is eternally holy. And he gets that. You, you see that here. He's like, God, you are holy. And holiness is something that comes off our lips, but we don't really understand it. Now, the Bible reveals some moments of holiness when, when humans interact with holiness. Now, there's two examples in Scripture that come to my mind, and that one is Exodus 33 when, when Moses says, God, I want to see you. And God says, you can't. You can't see me and live, Moses. Let's, let's catch the fact that if God physically showed his holiness in this room today, none of us would live. We would not be able to stand and survive physically the glory of God. Wrap your head around that. God is holy. Now, God said to Moses, here's what I'm going to do, Moses. You can't see me. I'm going to hide you in a, in a rock, and I'm going to barely pass by you. And Exodus 33 talks about how Moses' face was literally glowing for months. God is holy. There's another scriptural example, Isaiah chapter 6. Man, Isaiah is the prophet of God. It's a tough time. And, and Isaiah says, it says in Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. He was high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. It says, above him were seraphs, these angelic creatures. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, saying, 
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And Isaiah, as he sees this, he says, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. We're all going, whoa, whoa. That's what Isaiah said. Whoa, is me, I cried, for I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Folks, we live in a day that people actually think God's their buddy. Folks, he's holy. He's God. And nobody, nobody ever born of man will stand before before God and go, hey, I, I deserve this. When we draw our last breath, don't be mistaken, the day you draw your last breath, you will stand before holy God. The Bible is crystal clear on this. Do not miss it. Do not miss that fact. That is an appointment on your calendar and mine. God is holy. You know what else? David, David acknowledges that. God, you only have I sinned. You are right in your judgments. You are right in what in this conviction. He understands God is eternally holy. You know what else he understands? And you see this in the psalm that you under that, that you are tragically sinful. David embraces the fact I'm tragically sinful. And, and it's common for people in our day to go, I'm good. I'm all right. We're not okay. And I'm no kind of pastor if I get up and say, oh, you're good. You, you got all the good inside of you. That's, that's baloney. Because we're sinners. The scripture talks about that we were born into sin. David points, out this, points this fact out in the psalm. I was born into sin. I was born sinful. And, and, and we desperately need a Savior. We are in need of forgiveness. And, and that's your greatest need, is to be forgiven by God. You need, you need forgiveness more than you need the next breath that you take. And if you don't understand your sinful condition, you're not being honest with yourself. You're definitely not being honest with God. You need a Savior. Now, it's interesting as you look at over and over again in the scriptures, sin is described as darkness. Have you notice that? When, when, when someone is in sin, they're in darkness. And, and, and spiritual darkness causes sin. And Satan is the author of that. He's the promoter of that. It's, it's Satan that, that uh, went to Adam and Eve from the very beginning and said, hey, look, uh, uh, if you... If you, if you if you eat from this tree, your eyes will be open. But, but what happened is it, is it led them into darkness, not the light. And this is the, the consequences. We've inherited this. First Corinthians 15 talks about that we have inherited this sinful nature from Adam. As in Adam all die, says in 1 Corinthians 15. Sin, spiritual darkness causes sin. And then, then sin causes Spiritual blindness. 
And you see this all through the scriptures that that people are blinded by their sin. And and in this situation, David was blinded by his own sin. And so often we get blinded by sin. But the sin is often the darkness in our own heart. That's what leads us to sin. And you know, it's progressive. It leads us to greater darkness. That's what the darkness of sin leads us to to more darkness and and. And, you know, sin rejects the light. And, and what, what happens is when we're in sin, we want to stay in darkness. We don't want to come into the light. That's why you saw Adam and Eve, they were, they were hiding, right? When, when they sinned, they were hiding from God because that's the tendency. When we get involved in a sin, we want to stay hidden. We don't want to come into the light. But what God's Word does, what the Spirit of God does, He brings us into the light. He shines the light on us. And we recognize that sin has terrible consequences. And you see this is over and over again. You see this in this passage. You see it in the story of David with Nathan and all these things. But you know what else you see? David's showing us something very important here. He's showing us that forgiveness is readily available. And I want you to know that that's so powerful. Because no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, we, forgiveness is available to you. It's interesting because we, we have a tendency when we mess up not to come to the Lord. But do you know that when you mess up, that's exactly where you should come? My former church had a, had a man I was close to that... Um, really messed up, like, like messed up. So much so it was on the six o'clock news, mess up. And, he, and it happened on a Thursday. And uh, Thursday night, I'm in his living room with his family. And we're like, this is a tough day. Um... And, man, we were, uh, there was some forgiveness taking place, but, boy, there was some, that was a bad day. So we walked through that rough night together. Um, and, and the next day, he calls me, and he says, should I come to church on Sunday? And I go, yeah, you should. He was embarrassed. Everybody in our church knew about it. Word traveled. And um, I go, yeah, you, you ought to come to church. He did. I was so proud of my church that day. One of our lead deacons, he's an older man in our church. I was out in the foyer of the church. That's where my responsibilities were that season of ministry, and I'm standing out there, and I watched this man broken walk in the door, and this stately deacon walks up to him. He stuck his hand out, and he grabs him and pulls him and hugged him. He said, I love you. Do you know that's what Jesus does? That's what David's teaching us here. 
That's what Peter experienced after he royally messed up. That's why he wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ for in his great mercy. And see, Satan wants us to think that when we mess up, we should stay in darkness. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus provided. You come to the Lord. And you know what? When you come to him, he doesn't reject you. Now, there were consequences to his sin, even in forgiveness. Let's not miss that. But, but I'll tell you, 1 John 1, 9 means what it says. You know what that, word, you know what that means, right? You know what that verse says? We've got it on the screen. If you confess your sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from what? How much? All unrighteousness. Aren't you grateful for that? And now you know what David does, and I got to hustle because um, I got three more points. But you know what David does here? He gets to the root of the problem. And I want to challenge us to get to the root of the problem of sin. And notice the root. Look at verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. For then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Sinners will return to you. Sinners will return. There's got to be someone here today that needs to return. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. Oh, hear this. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. He gets to the heart of the issue, it's in his heart. And what you see in this psalm is you see that right confession is completely honest. If you're going to confess, I mean, do you really think you can hide something from God? Come on. He's, the, he's omniscient. He's omnipresent. David shows us that right confession is honest completely. Right confession is obviously humble. There, there's humility there. There's not an arrogance there's not a just, but, but God, I, I was tired. God, I was busy. I need a break. There's no excuses here. It's humble. Lord, I, I hear you. 
I confess to you. I ask you to forgive me and restore me. And he does. Now, did, the, did it leave a mark? Oh, yeah. And I'm amazed at how t- many times that I see Christians willingly just rebel against God, and they're like, well, God, don't you forgive me? I don't have to face the consequences. No. Reminds me of a guy who's in my youth ministry, Greg, who went to jail. And he gets saved right after he was in, in it was a jail cell confession. And then he got 90 years after he got saved. But he was a prisoner for the Lord. Now, when you look at a psalm, I mentioned this two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And when you look at a psalm, how do you interpret it? And let me just quickly, and then I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. But, but we looked at how to interpret poetry in the Bible. You, we, we talked about that when you look at a psalm, you look at the whole. You know, there, there's some interesting verses here if you take in isolation. Uh, there, there's some ones that make you scratch your head a little bit, and you can dig into that. But, uh, but you have to look at the whole of the psalm. You have to let each psalm stand. You have to connect to the author of the psalm. That's important when you look at a, a psalm. You've got to know who the author is and do, do as much as you can on that. You've got to pay attention to the audience of the psalm. You've got to look for that. You've got to pay attention to the structure of the psalm. And then uh, now that we're in the New Testament world, we're in the post-Messiah world, you got to keep Christ in mind. Now, as we wrap up today, I want to just make sure we connect to David's downfall here. Because we've got to connect to this downfall. And I want you to notice some things as you look at the totality of it. David, when he, when he sinned with Bathsheba, was in a time of blessing. It's very interesting. He was in a time of blessing. Can I just sit with you and say, when, you're in a, when we are in a time of blessing, watch out. Watch out. And if you have not yet memorized 1 Corinthians 10, 12, and 13, I want to challenge you that before next Sunday arrives, that those two verses are memorized by you. Memorize it. Here's what it says. If you think you're standing firm, be careful so that you do not fall. For no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so you can stand up under it. David was in a time of blessing. Hey, watch out. Um, Second thing. I think it's important. David was disengaged from his calling. Reconnect to it. 
Are, do, you, do you recognize your ambassador calling? That we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, and God is masterful. He has deployed us all over this city. And see, my job is not to be the professional minister. My job as the pastor is to equip the church for the work of ministry. So we are actually to leave here and be in businesses and schools and sports teams and um, city government and, and um, chamber of commerce all over the place. See, David had a disconnect from his calling here. And I want to challenge you to reconnect with your calling to represent Christ. And may we never be a people that our sin causes somebody else to go, ah, that's your God? I don't know if you've read our Bible reading today, but oh, you got to go read it because we read Matthew 24 today. And in light of all the craziness that happened yesterday in Dallas, it's happening all over the world. Folks, let me tell you something. If you can read Matthew 24, without a sense of urgency and responsibility. You're either lost and don't know Christ or you're just not paying attention. Hey, limitation, life's too short. And the days ahead are too critical. For us not to be focused on building the church. You know, I've been a part of some good parachurch ministries, and they're fine, and they've done some good. But in just a couple of weeks, a group of people from our church are going to stand at Caesarea Philippi, where Jesus looked at his disciples and said, hey, I'm going to start my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I love that little baseball thing that I started. That was fun. But it's the church that will last forever until Jesus returns. That's why, folks, I better be a pastor focused on building our church. That's why we've got a job to do to build the church. Reconnect. Lastly, well, let me just mention, I think this is significant. Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify 
the desires of the flesh. We are to be men and women who walk by the Spirit. Lastly, and I, and I, I think this is really important, David was detached from his community here. When you read this psalm, you see that he was detached from his community. It's time to re-engage with your church. I want you to look at verse 18 in Psalm 51. He says, do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, for then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. I think it's significant that you see David coming back to the group here. Because you realize it's us together that walk together like we've done today, pray for one another. Joe, come on up. Pray for one another. Push one another. Challenge one another. Encourage one another. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. And what David does, he comes back to his community here. And can I just say to you, you're called to be a part of a church. And I'm not just talking about checking in on a Sunday and then going, I'll see you next week, everybody. Not getting to know the back of somebody's head, but sitting around a table together, walking through life together. Now, that's the church. And David comes back to like it's, it's, it's together. Then we offer right sacrifices. And, and we, we worship well together. Let's learn to repent. You know, I, I love, I, I can't get away from Romans 5.8 today. And I, and I think it's so applicable to Psalm 51 because Romans 5.8 says this, and Paul wrote this, he says, and God demonstrates his love for us. And I think it's masterful that, that Paul uses the present tense. I think it's, it's not a grammatical error here. The grammar, grammar is really important that he uses demonstrates in the present tense. He says, God demonstrates his love for us. And I think that's a beautiful picture because God is constantly demonstrating his love for us in this and he shifts to the past tense, that even though we were sinners, Christ died for us. And see, you're going to mess up. And when you do, run to Christ. Run to him. Run to the people of God. And I pray we're a church that when those among us make mistakes, I've seen at times Christians who attack their wounded. 
May that never be us. But I've also seen the church wrap their arms around the wounded. Maybe you're here today and you, you need someone to pray for you. We're going to have people around the room that will pray for you. In fact, I want you all to go there right now. If you all are on our prayer team. And maybe you need somebody to pray for you. They're going to be all over the place. They're going to be up here in the front, on the side, on the back. Maybe you need to get with the Lord by yourself. Maybe you just need to come and repent, pray. Get, you know who needs to repent in this room? All of us. So there ain't nobody going to say, oh, well, I'm glad they're going down front. We all need to repent. Let's get better at it. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for Psalm 51. I thank you for the power of forgiveness. And Lord, I, it had to, had to have been an, a challenge for David to realize that this mistake will be an example for all of us through history. But I'm thankful that he taught us, that you're teaching us how to repent. Because we're prone to wander, Lord. Lord, I feel it. We're prone to leave the God we love. It's like that song says, here's my heart, Lord. Would you take it and seal it for your courts above? Father, move us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand where you are?